Hey guys, brand new series. It's called Momentum, and it turns out momentum is a thing. It really is. And uh, let me say this before I go any farther. Shout out to you guys who helped us with uh, Trick or Treat downtown Main Street. Gave away uh, about 50 boxes of pizza. So it was all gone. Lots of you cooked and boxed and cut and sliced, and others of you handed it away. So thank you for that. It is really nice to be nice, and you guys really were doing that together. And there is another uh, mission for us in November now that we are here. We just left October. Now we're in November, and so this is called a man bucket. We are going to adopt some worthy gentlemen, and they are going to be our mission project. And so we're wanting you to drop some items. I saw some come in the door a moment ago, uh, small flashlights. Every guy needs a flashlight in the car or in his pocket, so that's a, that's a place to start. But uh, drop some items in the big black bucket. We'll try to uh, prepare to give it away uh, just before Thanksgiving to some of our worthy gentlemen in our community. Pretty cool idea. And uh, you can help put something in there or put something in the tide jug. Next couple of weekends, we'll purchase some things as well. Momentum is... A thing. So we're beginning a new series, and it's in the book of Acts. And so if you want to find a Bible, you can go there. I'm going to put some of this on the screen. Follow along with me. And uh, tonight's lesson is about, well, let me say this. It's, it's how, how can we sort this out? How can we who go to different churches? Uh, even some of us have different religions. I mean, really. And some of us are nunners when... Doing uh, some uh, surveys today and people are asking questions for a census about what is your religious preference, there is a new group who say, I have none. I'm a nunner. So how do we figure this out? How do we make our community a better community? How do we partner with other people who really are different from us? And that's where we're going to begin the series talking about that how we all have this uh, opportunity to grow and develop some momentum, but sustaining momentum, everybody needs momentum. I want a job. I want a new job. I want a better job. Everybody needs some momentum to get a job, but also to keep a job. Or I'm working on my health. I want to lose some weight. I want to watch what I eat. I want to lower my numbers. I'm a diabetic, and I want to make sure that I'm more healthy. So momentum begins when we put our foot down and we set our mind to a direction. Say, I'm headed here. Maybe it's your football team, your soccer team. Everybody says, now I'm 5-0. I wish I were 6-0. and And I just need one more victory. So we, we know what this looks like. We know what it looks like in our health, in our personal life. We know what it looks like in the world. We know what it looks like in sports. I, I, I want to go to school again. I want to get another degree. I want to get some more education. And so momentum begins when you make a decision, but it's, it's continuing that momentum that becomes difficult. Now, that's all things that I want to set this up, this thought for you tonight about momentum is a thing. And uh, the church that Jesus started... In the book of Acts, it started with a lot of momentum. And we're in chapter 11. And in chapter 11, these first 18 verses, 
is a conversation that we're reading, and I'll share some of that. I'm going to start in verse 19, but the part I'm skipping is where Peter the Apostle was having some difficulty because God had given him a mission to go share the good news of the gospel with people who didn't go to church, who were not Jewish. Gentiles were what they were called. They were outsiders. And in these first verses um, of chapter 11, God is making this, well, he's making this connection, taking Peter to meet a man named Cornelius. And Cornelius is a Gentile and Peter is Jewish. And the two of them would never come together in the same house. They'd never have a conversation if God didn't do something to make it happen. There are people that you'll never talk to them about church because they won't listen. They're, maybe they're a nunner and they don't want to hear it. Or maybe they're Catholic. Or maybe they're Baptist. Or maybe they're some other kind of religion. Not Christian. And there are people that unless God, unless God do something, we're never going to find momentum and we're never going to be able to keep momentum. Jesus' church began with great potential. You and I all have great potential. It's not over. It's not over for anyone. We have tremendous opportunities. And in the Bible, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 11, Jesus was alive. And hundreds and thousands of people had seen him alive after he was dead on a cross, buried in a grave three days, and rise again. And so the church that Jesus started began with great potential, tremendous opportunity by the thousands. And so by the time we get to Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people are baptized. We had a baptism last Sunday right there. I had two more people text me this week and say, could we talk to you about baptism? They were doing that kind of thing together where people were making Jesus' decisions. Acts chapter 2, there were 3,000 baptized. In Acts chapter 4, there were 5,000 baptized. And so just two chapters and two sermons about the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ... 8,000 people, 10,000 people come into the church. They don't have a building or a location, but they have a Jesus relationship. They got their Jesus story started. Just two messages. Eight to 10,000 people off to a great beginning and a great start. There was momentum for the good news in the church that Jesus started. Say amen. But it wasn't easy. And... Uh, like your football team that gets off to a 5-0 start and then they begin losing games and then they lose two or three in a row. Momentum is a thing. And a relationship with God and with other people is a thing. It's this momentum that can begin around the water cooler or at work or at a soccer, soccer game on the field. or it can, it can be anywhere, but I'm just telling you that this thing is uh, critical, having momentum in our life, in sports, in business, in your marriage, 
we got off to such a great start. The pictures were so good. The, the, the celebration and all our family, it was so exciting. But what's happened and now we've got all this kind of things happening to us that I didn't know was, it's just so hard. And so it's not easy to, sometimes kids get sick, sometimes we get sick, sometimes we disappoint. I'm just saying momentum in life, we understand what this is about. What I'm talking about, the church and business and your personal private life, momentum really is a thing. But it's very hard to control. It can be elusive, hard to manage, but it is necessary. Trust has to be earned by performers on the fields. If you have a sports team and you're, you're trying to win and become victorious and win a championship or win more games, you have to develop trust with each other. And in a community where people have different views about God and about religion or they have no views about God or religion or the Bible or truth, they make their own truth. In a field like that, in the game of life like that, where you're trying to draw up like X's and O's and have a game plan and and execute a game plan. It's on the field of life every day. And marriage and parenting or grandparenting or being a widow or whatever your circumstances, it's in the everyday life where we can see this opportunity for momentum. But it is tricky. It is. Building community in the community. That's what we're after. We're trying to journey church like other churches. We talk about it, but we do more than talk about it. We're going to we're going to follow up this time with a man bucket. We try to do something to build community, which is like togetherness. How do you build togetherness with people that are strangers? How do you build togetherness with people that don't go to your church? How do you build togetherness? How did Jesus do it? That's what we're talking about. People who are different than we are. How do you build community in your community? That's what we're talking about. That's what this series is. You can, you can grab a moment of momentum when you go down to the courthouse and you give away all this pizza. You can grab some momentum when you give away somebody a car that doesn't have a car and they're walking to work. You can grab some momentum, some Jesus momentum when you help somebody get into a home like a Habitat home who doesn't have a home. You can really grab some momentum, but how do you keep moving it? How do we do that together? That's what this is about. This is what the book of Acts tells us when it comes to the church that Jesus started. And, and so I just want you kind of to hang on to that thought and hang on to what I'm talking about. And I'll try to guide you through this. Building community, engaging with different religious people or different background or heritage is kind of tricky. So people think about God in different ways. And how they think about God sometimes differs. So building community with people and engaging with other beliefs so that we can go and grow is not impossible, but you really do have to have a plan. So I'm going to kind of walk you through this and uh, try to help you uh, make a play, um, learn how to speak to a stranger who may be different than us. How would I do that? I'm, I'm not the preacher. I don't play in the band. I don't really volunteer for anything. How would I take this momentum 
at a place called Journey Church or whatever church it is that you're listening at right now, whatever church you usually attend, if you're online or if you never go to anybody's church, how do we build upon something that Jesus started and got off to a great start by the thousands people were making Jesus' decisions? How do we keep it up? That's what I want to do. Let's look at this together, Acts 11, verse 19. Let's read some of this. The first 18 verses I skipped are the part where Peter and Cornelius, who had nothing in common, discover they have everything in common because Jesus changes everything. People who go to church and people who don't go to church can find a moment of momentum with great potential to do something great. That's what we're reading. Let's start. Verse 19. Now those who had been scattered, scattered because of persecution. Remember they executed Jesus. Remember they had him arrested and said, you know, you can't do that anymore. The Jewish people were unhappy and the Roman people said, do you want me to turn him loose? He's not done anything wrong. And they said, no, crucify him. And so all the Christians who were sharing good news that Jesus is alive and he's not dead, they had a message that was not very popular. Maybe your message today is not as popular as it once was. Maybe people won't listen to you. And sometimes people won't even uh, let you talk to them. And that was kind of the environment of the early church that had this momentum, but it was challenging to keep it going. Verse 19, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen, Stephen was the first martyr, first person who said, I believe in Jesus. He's the first person who was uh, executed, rocks, they threw stones and rocks at him until he died. Uh, actually, the religious leaders, and the Bible tells us that even uh, Paul, later his first name was Saul, was standing there. He was holding their jackets as he encouraged them to... Uh, to take Stephen's life. So Stephen becomes the first Jesus follower who lost his life besides Jesus. So that's kind of an important part of history, verse 19. And uh, so once they killed Stephen, everybody kind of had to run for cover and had to run for their life and try to be more careful where they were because they were trying to uh, stop this message and movement and revolution Jesus had started. The good news that God really is for everybody. They were trying to shut it down. Maybe you feel like somebody's trying to shut you down. <laughs> Those who had been scattered, Stephen was uh, executed. They traveled as they scattered as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to the Jews. So they were speaking about Jesus, but they were just telling the Jewish people. They were already religious people. But they were looking for the Messiah, so they were telling the Jewish people they had found the Messiah. His name is Jesus, and uh, he's alive. We've seen him. So they were just speaking to religious people who were insiders. They weren't speaking to the people who were the roughest of all, the people who were outsiders and didn't go to church. They, they, uh, they took their message to people that, that would accept a consideration that Jesus was who he said he was, the Messiah, the Son of God. Look at verse 20. Some of them, though, some of them, doesn't tell us her name. Maybe nobody knows your name. You go to Journey Church and say, well, you're not the preacher. I don't know who you are. Maybe nobody knows your name. 
These guys didn't have a, they didn't wear a name tag. They didn't have a label. They didn't have a title. They were not the boss of anything. They were just regular people. But some of them were courageous. Are you a courageous person? Some people are. Some people see the moment of opportunity with other people who are not at all like them. Not at all like us. Some of them, just regular people, men and women, but people who are ready to change the world, building community, friendships, family in your community, connections, engagement. However, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also. So the other audience that was learning about Jesus was Jewish only, but there are a few people, unnamed people, who were going to these locations and they were speaking to the outsiders, Gentile Greeks, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. God really is for everybody. Jesus really does change everything. Verse 21, the Lord's hand was with these guys, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. There's a guy sitting over here on the left-hand side tonight, and I'm telling you, when he came here, he came under uh, some skepticism. He wasn't going to church, but he arrived, and as he came, he just started talking to everybody he met. And they came. They filled a couple of rows back there. I mean, he's, he's not anybody that, uh, you know, he's not an elder or deacon. He's, he's not anybody famous. He's just a regular person like you and I. And honestly, he did that. He's, he just began talking to everybody that he knew, and he's still doing that. And that, that's what this is describing, that whoever we are, there are few people that have this courage, this ability, and this desire, and you begin to speak just to everybody that you meet, that God really is for everybody, and then God's hand is with you, and then it says a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. You don't have to be Billy Graham. I mean, there's only one of those guys. You don't have to be Bobby D. You don't have to be Brian. You just have to be you, and you have to be willing that you, you sign on here, that you say, okay, I can do this. These are just regular people. I didn't know they were just regular people. Yeah, they, these are some unnamed regular people who did some amazing things, and God was with them, put his hand upon them, and a lot of people believed and turned to Jesus as the Son of God. Look at verse 22. Men, news, news of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch, Verse 23, when he arrived, he saw the evidence <clears throat> that something was up. What's the evidence that you look for in another person that something's happened to them, something changed? Is it how they dress? Is it the car they drive? Is it the job they have? Probably not. If somebody has made a Jesus decision and they have discovered Jesus is for them, people begin to notice like something's different about you. Your attitude's different. Your mood is different. Your conversation is different. People begin to notice. They look for the evidence. And so Barnabas, and Ant Barnabas was sent here to Antioch to investigate 
and they discovered that lives were being changed and it wasn't because of an organized church. It wasn't because of a preacher or pastor or youth minister. It was that they were, they were meeting people who had just met regular people who were just sharing the good news that God really is for everybody, that Jesus changes everything. And people who didn't go to church now discovered they could. And this is the environment in chapter 11 of the book of Acts. Momentum, the church that Jesus started got started with this huge opportunity about Jesus is alive. I mean, imagine that. Imagine when that message got translated and got shared in a lot of places. It got started really well, but the, the conflict happened. The, the problem happened when people who were different, insiders and outsiders, religious people and unreligious people, and they all kind of just kind of met in the middle of the road somewhere. And that's where the conflict occurred until somebody straightened it out and said, God's for all of us. And that's what happened. The grace of God. He was glad and encouraged. He encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Verse 24, he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Verse 25, then Barnabas went to Troas to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, so for a whole year Barnabas and Saul met with the church, taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians at Antioch. So the Jesus followers, they, they are first identified in Antioch as Christians. That's the first time that we see in the Bible in church history after Jesus, the church that Jesus started. They were just called disciples and followers of Jesus. But by the time we get here to chapter 11 and we read about uh, Paul and or Paul and Barnabas being in Antioch, they the disciples, followers of Jesus, called Christians. So here's a little outline that I jotted down that comes from this context of how do we work with people who don't go to our church or don't go to any church? How do we build community in our community? How do we reach them with some good news that God really is for them too? How do we find a place? How do we find what else we can do together to make an impact? Like the man bucket or giveaway pizza. What is it that we can do? How does this work? So let me give you a few tips. And I've got a few here that are four. And let's, let's see if this helps. Let's see if this is something that we can all jot down. First thing we've got to do is you've got to make contact with somebody that's not like you. That's not just like you. If you just go to your family table, you just go to your family reunion. If the only people you see at Christmas are your relatives... If you only hang out with people who already hang out with you, you're not going to be able to build community in your community. So you're going to have to meet people that you haven't met yet, that are not like you, that are not with you yet, that are not in your friendship yet. You're going to have to make contact with somebody. And so by the thousands, there were thousands and thousands of Jews that were in Jerusalem and, and uh, they, some of them, as I just described earlier, the church in two sermons was already at about 10,000 people, eight to 10,000 people. And so some of these thousands of Jews who were religious but did not know Jesus was the Son of God until they heard about this message that Peter preached in Acts chapter 2, and they said, oh my goodness, we made a mistake. We have, we've arrested Jesus, the Son of God, and we've had him executed through the Roman government. And so Acts chapter 2, verse 38, they asked, what, what must we do to straighten this out? And Acts verse, 
Verse 38, chapter 2 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it began right there. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Church started, the church that Jesus started, it got off to a great start with great potential and momentum by the thousands. But by the time you get to chapter 7, verse 51, persecution appears. That's where Stephen, a preacher, ticked off all the Jewish leaders and spiritual insiders, and they became a mob. Have you seen the mob? There's mobs of people right now in the world that are just picking on somebody and just taking them out. I'm telling you, this isn't the first time the world's been a crazy place. It was a pretty crazy place in Acts chapter 7. It was a pretty crazy place. It had great potential and a great opportunity, but we were very divided because we weren't the same. Like one religion against that religion and one family against that family and one color of skin against that color of skin. You know what I mean? Yeah, we sure do. It's on the news every day in our world today. So it got off to a great start because they made some contact with people who were not like them. And if you try to talk to somebody at work today who's not really interested in your view of Christianity or God or the Bible or Jesus, you might get some pushback. And if you just keep going and you keep trying to help people who don't know the truth, you might get other people that, you know, don't like that so much. And this mob gathers, ch chapter 7, verse 51, put that verse up on the screen for it. Here, here's what the text says. You stiff-necked people. Hmm. Talking about people who were religious bigots, religious uh, legalists. They were insiders and they were wrong. You stiff-necked bullheaded people with uncircumcised hearts and ears you are just like your fathers you always resist the Holy Spirit that was Stephen's message to the people who were about to kill him they were all the leaders of the church of Judaism Jerusalem Antioch and he becomes this martyr because he's preaching and teaching Jesus as the Messiah the Son and Savior of the world to everybody it angered the Jewish leader so much that nobody was safe. And this new church called Christians, they weren't called Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, Catholic. They, weren't called, they were called Jesus followers first, and then they were called Christians. That was it. That's how we all got started. The new church of Jesus followers had to scatter and disperse Acts chapter 8, Fred, put that up there. And Saul was there. He was the guy that wrote half of our New Testament. But in chapter 8, Saul is the guy who's still Jewish, and he's persecuting people, arresting people, and he's even trying to have them put to death. Families pulled apart. It is a very malicious time for people who are just trying to help others. Saul was there giving approval to Stephen's death. On that day, a great persecution, a religious Persecution was how it began. Later it was the government persecution, the government of Rome. 
it all starts, first of all, with religions fighting each other, religious religious wars where people fight one another, and eventually it becomes governments fighting together. Broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. The guy who wrote half of the New Testament that we have later became the Apostle Paul after he had his Jesus come to Jesus meeting. And he was blinded on the road to Damascus. And he heard a voice of God said, Saul, what are you doing? Why are you persecuting the people who are my followers? And Saul became a believer that Jesus really was the Son of God. And Saul was converted and was baptized. And he then became the apostle that God used to take the message to all the Gentiles, outsiders. Quite an amazing story. Nobody could make this up. It is God at work in our world right now. Whatever it is that you think is too hard for God, just forget it. It's never too hard for God. Whatever you think is too difficult in your family, and your circumstance, never too difficult. God can do anything. Jesus changes everything. He's already done it. He's in charge of this world from beginning to end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And so this is how the church began with great potential and many opportunities and it had a lot of momentum the church that jesus started had a lot of momentum eight to ten thousand people came inside the church but there was persecution by the time we get to chapter eight the church was uh being attacked by religious people uh they were being dragged off men and women and put them in prison verse two problems appear uh, after chapter eight chapter nine chapter eleven and uh it was quite difficult, and uh, people were becoming unsure and unconfident and uncomfortable and unwilling to talk with people who were not Jewish, who were not insiders. And hardly anybody would because of the mob of people that had already killed Stephen. Most everybody was fearing for their life. And that's where God shows up. Sometimes when it seems to be impossible... That's where God shows up. So problems appear. Uh, most people wouldn't talk to anyone who wasn't already Jewish. Antioch had this opportunity because it was known as a place that had a reputation for diversity. Well, a big place. A lot of people lived there. And uh, so it was a place that God got something started that was a very un, uh, unpredictable kind of thing that happened that only God could do. God pulled it off, and God's still doing it in our world today, and God's still alive and well in our world today, but you've got to make contact with people who are not like us if you're really going to change the world. Acts chapter 11, again, some of them, however, men from Cy Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to the people who were not just Jewish. These unnamed people had courage. You've got to have courage to work and live in Cynthiana and talk to people who say, I, I don't go to church. You've got to have a lot of courage not to, not to be discouraged when you talk to all your friends and you invite them every week and you think surely somebody's going to come and nobody comes. You've got to have a lot of courage. Say, courage? courage? Yeah, don't give up. Don't give up, Buster. Don't give up on your own kids, grandkids. Don't give up on your neighbors, people that you work with. Don't give up on the people that's in AA or they're in some kind of drug recovery. Don't give up, man. Don't give up. God is working on it. And God is with us. And God can do anything. Jesus changes everything. He changes us. 
He changes our world, and he'll do it again. And he'll do it for us and you. And so you got to make contact with these people. And it is nice to be nice. Amen? Amen. You can't argue with them. You, you can't blow them down with the gospel fire hose. I mean, you know, you're just going to knock them down. If all you do is just, un, you know, like the gospel fire hose, like you unhook the water fire hydrant, that ain't going to help. you got to be nice to begin with. And you got to find a way to begin a conversation, make contact with people who are not like us. And sometimes that's hard to do because they're not going to let you do that. But pray about it. Don't give up. And try to help build some community in our community, build friends and connections. And, you know, like, like your own family has connections, you want to build that with people. Here's the second thing. When you do get together for, let's play some music together. Let's have a jam session together. Or, or you know, let, let's have... Let's have some food. I'll bring a cake and you bring a cake. And I've got a pie and you bring a pie. Let's let's get everybody together and let's do that. But here's the second thing. Not only do you have to make contact, you have to you have to communicate Jesus. Christ was communicated. You can't just talk you can't just talk about the football game. You can't just talk about the kind of guitar that you're playing right now. You can't just talk about your truck or your your barn or your your cows or your horse, you got to talk. Eventually, the conversation has to lead to somehow, after you've been nice, eventually you got to have a conversation about who Jesus is, and he really is for everybody. Look at me, say amen. amen. That's where we got to go. If you're going to build community, like family, like togetherness, like partnerships in your community, if you're going to build community in your community with people who are not related to you, who don't even look like you, who don't even act like you. If you're going to do that, you got to first make contact, and then you got to communicate Jesus. Verse 20, chapter 11, Some of them began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. we got to tell everybody, because not everybody knows. Some people think, I'm just lost forever. My first grade teacher told me I was lost. You're no good. You're never going to make a nickel for anybody. And if you believe that, that's probably what's going to happen. You have this problem that started early in life that everybody told you that you were worthless god says it's not true it's not over he there is good news for everybody no one is hopeless and lost forever say amen that's how you begin this thing you got to get to this kind of conversation that there is potential you got to begin some momentum and and you got to keep it going and you got to hang out with guys come on now and girls you got to you got to be with people at applebee's you got to but it's got to be more than we just like to ride motorcycles together. You got to get past that. At some time, you got to build trust. Remember, I said that you build trust on the playing field. That that you know that the guy next to you begins to trust you. That they know they can trust you. And so that's where you begin to really rub shoulders. You can't just walk in and say, "Get out of the way. I got a message for you. Straighten up." That won't work. But you do have to spend time, and you do have to get together, and you do have to try to build some kind of camaraderie, and, and you got to do it all kinds of different places. It, it really is true. To build the kind of community that with people that are not like us who go to church, at Journey Church or anybody else's church, a Christian church, a Jesus church. I don't know if I ought to say this or not because <laughs> I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. To build this kind of community, we do have an agenda. 
I mean, if if somebody says, what are you about? And we say, oh, we're, we don't have any agenda. That's not, why do you give away a car or a house or pizza? Well, it's not really true. We do have an agenda, sort of, and a mission and a message that's more than just what we give away. We have a different way to keep score than just trying to make friends with somebody that I can say, yeah, they're going to invite me again to play music or ride motorcycle with them. We have a new scorecard. And the new scorecard, our agenda and our mission and our message is that we get to ask this question eventually. Look up here. One sentence. If you're hanging out with people and you haven't got to this point in the friendship and trust that you feel that you can ask this one question, you need to pray about that because you're wasting your time if you can't get to this one question. Do you know Jesus? That's it. For your car buddy, do you know Jesus and do you have a relationship with him? That's where you're headed. In your AA group, whoever's working on your car, whatever kind of small group, whatever kind of random act of kindness, whatever kind of service that we do down at the courthouse, we really do have an agenda of sorts. We want to build community in our community with everybody. We want to build friendships and connections, build trust. We want to cross a bridge that is hard to get across with some people. We want to score, but in a different way. We want to get to that question, do you know Jesus? Just four words. People really do matter most. Amen? Yep, that's the truth. you got to eventually get to that moment where you're confident and courageous like Stephen who lost his life as they took rocks and hurled them at him until he couldn't breathe again and he was dead. The first Christian who died for his faith. God will shake us and break us. He'll ask us to do a lot of things that we thought, I'll never do that. <laughs> well, if you stay close to Jesus and His feet and follow Him where He takes you, you might. He'll disturb you and shake you up enough that you might talk to people that you would never have ever thought you could have a connection with. And you might get to this point where God will use you, a few good men and women, who will talk intentionally about something besides sports and jobs and music or cars or the weather, or women, or men, or social media. A new scorecard. Sharing a purpose about what Jesus has done in our life and what they can do in somebody else's. That's the game changer. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So Jesus wants to transform us first so that we can help transform our community, so we can build community in our community with all kinds of people, people that are different than us, 
way different than we would have ever imagined. And here's the third thing. I've got two more. I've got better work through this. Here's the third. Starts with a C also. Got to make contact. You also got to share Jesus. You got to share the Christ. And you got to you got to wait for the conversion, the transformation to take place because it will. Jesus will transform you and the person you're trying to help. Acts chapter 11, verse 21, the Lord's hand was with them. A great number of people believed and turned to Jesus. They just kept doing it, and they kept serving God, sharing good news, and it was a buzz everywhere. It was kind of like the buzz that's in our community right now. Everybody's talking about the stomach flu, the stomach bug. Like, I got it, I don't want it, I got it again, and I don't want to ever see it again. Like, there's a buzz about our health. It was like the same thing with the pandemic. Everybody couldn't help except talk about, am I going to live or die? Do I have to wear a mask? It was a buzz all around the world, a pandemic. But I'm telling you, there was this moment, there was this opportunity where there was momentum, and these regular, normal people like us just kept talking and asking that one question, do you know Jesus? Four words. And God began to answer and began to do things by the hundreds and thousands again, even during times of persecution and pushback. And it, that then became the story. That became trending. Jesus was trending again. Verse 24, Barnabas, another good man, was enthusiastic. He was a volunteer. He sent to Antioch. He's like a minister on loan. And Barnabas goes there to check things out and report back to the real church leaders that are in Jerusalem, the apostles, except when he got there, he saw what God was doing and he got sucked in. We say this all the time. Come to Journey three times and you're hooked. You really are. If you come here and bring somebody here and they listen, I mean seriously listen to the message and read it for themselves, something will happen. They'll get sucked in. You cannot help not hear God and want to do something about it. The early church grew like an explosion in community and communities all over the place between people who were very different, different religious backgrounds and beliefs, people who were Jewish and then those people who were Christian, they all found common ground in Jesus. And it does happen, even in our world today. And you're a part of it. And that sets up number four as I wrap this up. Integrity is what makes a difference. You, you got to be real, guys. You don't, you don't have to be Billy Graham, and you don't have to be a preacher, and you don't have to go to Bible college, but you got to be real and authentic. Just tell your Jesus story and help others discover theirs. Verse 22, when the church in Jerusalem got wind of this, that all these outsiders were coming to Jesus by the thousands, when the church leaders, the apostles in Jerusalem, Heard about this, they sent Barnabas to Antioch to check on things. As soon as he arrived, he saw that God was behind and in it all. He threw himself in with them, got behind them, urging them to stay with it the rest of their lives. And he was a good man that way, enthusiastic and confident in the Holy Spirit's ways. And the community, both the crowd of people and the the kinship, like being like being family, they, the, the togetherness, all of that, the crowd and the family togetherness, it feels like a family, grew large and strong in Jesus' master. So Barnabas was this kind of guy who didn't get discouraged and he didn't quit. It's easy to quit today. It's so many discouraging messages, 
so many churches who don't have people coming any longer, so many people who tell us, what's your beliefs? And they tell us, I don't have any. I'm a nunner. It really is. It's, it's a difficult time, but it's not the first time it's been like that. And so don't quit. In heaven, you'll be glad you didn't quit. Amen? Yeah, in heaven, you'll be glad you never quit. Don't quit. Don't quit on your wife. Don't quit on your husband. Don't quit on your kids, your family, your church. Don't quit on somebody you're working with. Don't quit. Be genuine. Be solid. Be dependable. And have, have this integrity yourself. Be authentic follower of Jesus, even though it's hard. You be, you be the best you can be. Character still counts for a lot. Amen? It really does. It's hard to find it. It's hard to trust somebody because they don't tell the truth. But I tell you what, you be an example, Buster. You tell the truth, be genuine, authentic, and a real follower of Jesus. Bottom line, build a forever community with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That's how you build a community, and a community is keep talking and asking this question, do you know Jesus? Four words, pray for courage to ask those people that, man, I wish I could have enough courage to ask them sometime. Well, ask them. Pray to God that he'll give you the courage to ask those four words in the most important question. Momentum is a thing. You want to do something big for God? You can. Momentum is a thing. A Jesus thing. So Doug, why don't you go ahead and pass the cups and I'm, I'll pray and we'll ask for some momentum in our personal life so we can go back out into the community and try to build some community with people that we don't even know. People that are not a relative, they're not somebody that we went to school with in high school. They're not somebody that I work with. They're just a stranger. And maybe they don't know. He's going to make his way around the room. I've got a couple of minutes. You guys who are home, I hope you're doing this too. hope you're taking a moment to connect with God. Turn yourself in. Surrender to God. Say, I'm a Jesus follower. I surrender all. God, will you help me again? Yeah, I hope all of us can do that. So when you and I, when you and I were very young, when we were, when we were just born, hang on a second, when you and I were just born in this world, somebody had to really take care of us. Some of you got kids of your own. Listen to me. When you and I came into this world, you and I were first born. We were a lot of trouble. We were a lot of trouble. We couldn't feed ourselves. We couldn't get ourselves to the bathroom. We couldn't take care. We were a lot of trouble. But if you asked that caregiver, whoever they were, whether it was your mom or your grandma or your dad or your uncle or whoever it was, the neighbor next to you, if you asked them about why do you go to all that trouble, and they said, oh, it's no trouble, how could they do that? 
because they loved you. You were a lot of trouble. But to them, because they loved you, it was no sacrifice at all. When you take this little thing, you and I are a lot of trouble. I'm not kidding you. And we scratch our head like, why would she want to even fool with me? And he says, Jesus says, oh, it's no trouble. How could he say that? How could he let Jesus die on the cross and say something as crazy as that? Oh, it's no trouble. Love. That's how he says it. You have no idea how much God loves you. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus changes everything. Let me pray. Thank you, God. Thank you so much. Make a believer out of us again. That we're really no trouble at all. That you love us so much that you overlook our sins. And Jesus takes it from us to the cross. We have mercy again and forgiveness again. May we fall in love with you all over again, just knowing how much you love us when we can really be a lot of trouble. In Jesus' name, amen. Drop your little cups in the basket. If you've got an offering, put it in the plate. And uh, also, if you've got some some time to bring something to help us out uh, with our next giveaway here our man bucket and be sure to do that too you guys are home join us and uh, come and see us real soon i'm gonna roll this table back here and we're gonna sing one more song and you guys pray for that you guys pray for that question those four words do you know jesus pray that you have courage and you find someone build some trust rub some shoulders build some trust till you can ask that question to them god loves you he really does